A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Our weekly agenda will include addressing an audience question and taking on an issue from the internet. But first, time for the daily stand-up, Derek. I'm ready for it. So this week I wanted to talk about a thing that I decided to do foolishly at the last moment. Uh, until you said at the last moment, I thought you were going to talk about keto. But uh, no, I, I see that we're talking about... Dragon Con. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I haven't been to Dragon Con in... Eight, nine years, I think. And I had stopped going to Dragon Con uh, because, let's see, poverty. That was <laughs> that was the big reason. Poverty, and because uh, you know you weren't being worshipped as a deity. You know, once more people started going, um, it was kind of harder to stand out as the like you know malicious deity that you wanted to be. So I mean, you kind of you know, graciously bowed out and let the other people come in and 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 be the evil deities of Dragon Con. Yeah, and it just it's an expensive undertaking. I had you know kids and a mortgage and everything else like that. I still have those things, but really this year. Um, the way I put it is my big energy is I do what the fuck I want. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm trying to just, you know, look at what, what is it that I want and, and do those things, which I mean, a lot of people go through their lives doing that. And it's just not a thing that I necessarily do a lot of, but you know, like I bought myself a silly little car that runs on batteries and <laughs> went to Dragon Con. These are the yeah. crazy things that I guess I decide to get up to. No, I, I'm totally for it. I mean, that, that's something that I I typically, in, instead of doing the, the big things, I will, uh, I will settle for the tiny impulsive things like, you know, going down the highway and thinking, boy, <laughs> I could really use a cheeseburger right now. That's, <laughs> that's the treat in myself that, uh, <laughs> that I normally have to settle for. But no, I, I'm totally in for this. The the whole, like, you know, because uh, you never, uh, not to be morbid about it, but, like, you don't know how many years you've got on Earth. Like, you know, something could happen and a meteor could hit tomorrow. I mean, the, the nukes are going to fall at, at any time, like, <laughs> without warning. Oh, it yeah. It could be the nuclear nukes, winter tomorrow. We're all going to go together when we go. Right. And also, I'm on this keto thing. I mean, they've got some long-term longitudinal studies. But you don't know, really believe them. <laughs> might, we might get a little down the road and they're like, oh, oh, we got <laughs> y'all should stop doing that. 
you like like oh, now. You hadn't stopped doing that. We're sorry. We're sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but it's no. working for me now. Right. And that that's cool. I mean, I I uh I like this mentality. It has led to some interesting stories. Uh you know, you being t- you moving to Seattle, just uprooting your life and moving out there, I think uh it is uh if I mean, sure, it it had a, a logical progression, but it did have an air of fuck it, let's go uh that I really admire. So so okay, but before I ask what what your next big thing is, how did the Dragon Con thing turn out? It went okay. <laughs> I so I stopped going to Dragon Con not because I disliked anything about Dragon Con, other than Dragon Con is very expensive the way I usually do it, which involved staying in like one of the host hotels and. I can make anything not fun. That's my superpower, really. (laughs) I think that's a superpower that you and I both share. Yeah. So I would go to the convention, and while everybody else is like, woo, party, I'm going to get hammered and dress up like Boba Fett. I'm like, I have panels four deep throughout the entirety (laughs) of every single day so that I have... Oh, a primary, gotta... a secondary, a tertiary, and a quaternary <laughs> plan of attack of all the things that I want to experience and learn. Everyone's walking around with like their con bag and like their camera out, and you just got like a like a goddamn trapper keeper out, just riding furiously as fast as humanly possible while walking from panel to panel. I mean. I'm not going to say I'm a nerd's nerd, but I'm nerding out real hard at the nerd place to the point that the nerds are like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> I was about to say, like, you're in good company, but when when the, the, the natives uh, start calling you, the, saying that you're too much of a nerd, you do have to kind of step back and, and rethink your priorities. But I, I would expect nothing less of you. It used to be that I could do that. And... I don't know if you know like how Dragon Con's laid out, but it takes up a decent chunk of downtown Atlanta. It has metastasized at this point <laughs> through more of downtown Atlanta, taking over entire fucking buildings that it hadn't been housed in, you know, prior to, again, eight years ago when I went. But like I would say on either end of the con, the two farthest points might be the Weston and the Hilton. And most panels have about 30 minutes between which, them. Which, can I say, they, they missed an opportunity for it to be the Weston and the Easton? They did. I believe <laughs> that would have been, it would have been preferable. That, that is, that was nothing, but that's just the first thing I thought. Please continue. <laughs> and they're situated on the north and the south, so it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> they fucked that all up. But I used to be able to get from, like, if I had a panel in the Weston, it would be hard-pressed for me to get to the Hilton before, like, a panel that was immediately abutting it started. There's, like, 30 minutes between, you know, sets. Right. Now, it has grown, and there are so many people, it would take me an hour to get the same distance that it would take me 20 minutes eight years ago. Oof. Ooh, that... Oh no! Did you did you not realize how much it had changed when you had made your plans? 
you know, I'm trying to embrace the unknown to some extent, Derek. Like, I didn't know uh-huh. how it was going to go. I figured the best thing I could do was make a plan as I would normally make a plan and then be open to the experience of how things are. <laughs> That's the biggest load of horseshit I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so your plan was was to go in with the best plan possible and just wing it, like let it, yep, let it go, let it happen, just let it happen. Like I I had a plan, but I knew that that plan was going to get destroyed almost immediately. But that's fine. Like I, it's less that I had no plan and more that I was willing to accept that my plan would probably fall apart, and fall apart it did. Within like. <laughs> Four hours of me reaching the con, I was exhausted in a bar that was no way related to the convention. <laughs> I mean, I was about to say, like, like you saying that that you went in you know, with a plan, but then it diverged and all that. I was like, it all makes sense now why you literally like like the first interaction I got from you uh, while you're at the con was you told me I'm sitting here at a bar at 3 p.m. drinking whiskey and everything's fucked. I was like, yep. <laughs> that sounds sounds about right. Man. Yep. Nope, that's exactly where I was cuz I was like <laughs> baby ain't not a damn thing going to work the way that Frank Eastman thought it was going to work. Oh. And I am just sitting here in this bar trying to catch my breath and find my footing and drink <laughs> this whiskey so that I can brave myself up to get back out there in the shit. It's just, it has grown to such an enormous and mind-boggling number of people. Like, it used to be a rare event when I was, you know, going. Like, sometimes if there was a big person that was there, you would have lines that stretched out and around, like, the edges of, of some of the host hotels. But it was relatively rare. It is now just regular house shit commonplace yeah Yeah. like every single hotel constantly had people lined up especially the marriott and especially the uh the hyatt just with like people ringing the dam uh outside of of the uh the hotels so much so that you couldn't get on the streets so we're talking about people standing outside yes like outside out of air conditioning in the summer in Atlanta, in costume. <sighs> See, this is what blows my mind about that. Like, like I understand waiting for something that you enjoy. Like, that's cool. I, I'm not good at it, but I've done it before. I mean, when I was poor, I waited like literally 12 hours at, in the Target parking lot to, to be uh, one of the first ones in the door to get that 32-inch television back in... 2007 when it was on sale for $500. What a steal. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, some things are worth waiting for, but, uh, but being outside in, I, I would have to have guessed like 90 to 95 degree heat, um, you know, a decent amount of humidity. And, you know, I am, I'm a con goer. Like I've been to multiple cons before. It's been a little while, but, um, I added to the population of the con that was like overweight and out of shape. So like I'm talking about myself here. Uh, I would say a good half or more of those people are not, are not outdoors, uh, 
hard living ready. Like <laughs> here's the they other problem, Derek. Indoor babies. The demographics have changed, Derek. How we've is been, that? We've been left behind, my brother. It's it's no longer the fat, pale, sweaty nerds. Oh no. I mean they they're still there. Sure. But everybody is apparently like eighteen to twenty five and jacked. Oh no. No. And oh, wearing like was... a skin tight Deadpool costume or dressed like oh, She-Ra. Like there that's... was one there was one constant that I relied to, to to keep me grounded in this universe is that if I went to a convention, I could find people like me. And you're telling me that they're all all those nerds is just fucking ripped. Yep. We've all <laughs> Now we have to go to the gym, Derek. We've been avoiding it for the entirety of our lives. But we have to go to the gym now because there's literally nobody left. I never expected I never expected to to have to go to the gym before going to a nerd convention. How sad is that? Yeah, no, you've got to you've got to have your con body ready, Derek. They used to talk about your beach body, but I now you got to have did. your con body. I didn't know that was that was different than Look, I thought the preparation for a con body involved, you know, hot pockets, you know, high calorie drinks and lots of sedentary lifestyle. I mean, that that was my jam. But now you're telling me that it involves like restricted calorie diets, lots of lots of exercise. And and the I ability mean, to dress like a Captain Planet, Captain America smash up costume. Wearing no shirt. Wow. I saw I saw a guy with a stovetop hat and a funky beard just wearing, like, a Speedo. And I had to stop. And we locked eyes for a moment. And I said, Babe Lincoln? And he said, That's right! And I was like, carry uh, on, sir. <laughs> carry on. I'm, I don't know what to do with this information. I, I, feel, I feel like we need to go on to an issue from the internet. Or, excuse me, uh, a question from the audience. Because <sighs> th- this doesn't compute with, with reality anymore. I... <sighs> the good news it's, is, Derek, by the end of the con, the bartender at the random pub near the con knew me by name not just one bartender there was there was actually three they knew me by name in my drink well i mean once again like i like i talked about on the last i think on the last episode was if i wanted to, to go to wherever you are and find out what your favorite drink is i'll just go and ask for the enormous mountain of a man uh that looked angry and disgruntled and asked what his drink order was so i i, I imagine this is a similar scenario pretty much (sighs) audience question hit me business boys my office has an open door policy which most people with offices take fairly literally there's a co-worker who is senior to me who has an office and his office door is diagonal to my cube so i can see in through the door when he is working at his desk Mm -hmm. Quite often, when I turn around to leave my desk, 
I can see him absentmindedly picking his nose while he works. It's like he feels like he has privacy, but he certainly doesn't. I'm not sure if I should confront him somehow or just learn to live with being grossed out. From Mining Minding in Minnesota. Oh, boy. Oh, straight out the gate, I can say before we start, nobody wins here. Like, there there will be no winners in the outcome of this game. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, there there's a certain amount of um, social obliviousness or willful obliviousness that it leads an adult person um, to be around other people when they're doing their... <laughs> they're egregious mining. I mean, like, so here's a question then I'll pose to you, Derek. Okay. Is it okay if you're in a locked room with no windows and no one can see you to pick your nose? I'm going to, I'm going to go, go out on a limb here and I will say yes, because, uh, now, now okay. I'll put a stipulation. There has to be some sort of uh, cleaning product and or uh, sink or or some way to clean up after yourself. Because the thing is, like, I don't know any person that has not been in a situation where, boy, boy, howdy, my my nose is like razor blades and I would like it to not be like razor blades. Let me fix that. Um, and and then not to feel some inkling of boy, boy, I wish I could get to that. Like. I'm not I'm not saying it's a proud moment. I'm just saying I think it's a very human moment. We all do things that we're ashamed of in the eyes of ourselves and God. Absolutely. And and you know, I know that's probably not a uh that's not gonna win me any brownie points on the um the couthness scale or anything, but but what what about you? What how do you feel about that particular case? hey if you dish it you gotta be able to take it i mean yeah i suppose people can do the thing yeah that's because it's it is all about how many people are you hurting with your actions (laughs) and and if if literally nobody but but Jesus himself can see you. Um, you, you know, you, you do a lot of things. You self abuser. Right. <laughs> I mean, you do a lot of things that make Jesus cry anyway. So, like, that's fine. Um, but the, the real sin here clearly is doing it where people can see you. But like, isn't your office supposed to be like a private space then? That, that's kind of where my second, that's where I was leading to is. If it's your office, isn't that your space for you to be a gross nose mining goblin person? Absolutely not. And and here's why I feel this way. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can do in your office that are that is that is not good. Like <laughs> that's why I am full of, in full support of like any office. It has to have windows or at least like it could be like frosted glass, but it has to to kind of let you know what's going on inside. Um, Because like 
honestly, it, it's more it's it's for protection of the of the office haver even because like I don't know like if they can see what you're doing, they know you're not doing something bad. I guess I guess that's my what my weird brain thinks. It's like if people can see me, they know that I'm not you know fucking off or sleeping or you know playing games or something like that. Like they know. They they can see me working. Why would I work if people can't see me work? Uh, Derek, that's something to take up with your employer. <laughs> so I mean, if if you've got frosted glass, I suppose they can see that you're in the office, <laughs> but they probably can't necessarily see you doing nasty things with I... your finger and your nose. <laughs> I feel like that that is not enough obfuscation to really hide what you're doing. Like I'm just I'm just playing it in my head and I like like you can see somebody's hand like near their face. You know, you know what they're doing. This is this is now a comedy movie take where somebody is trying to like get their glasses off cuz they've been super glued to their face <laughs> and they're just going to town on it and everybody's looking through the window through the frosted glass just like good god, I hope I hope he gets whatever's up there because it seems very violent, right? <laughs> very violent, very painful. Um, no, I, I mean, I mean, you can understand what I mean, though. Like there, there are a lot of things you can do in that office that are are just not allowed. Like I don't think we need to name them all, but a lot of things you can do that 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 break that rule of it's my personal space. I'll do what I want. Okay, so I think we've. We've pretty well established that if no one can see you, you're allowed to pick your nose, but you're not allowed to pick your nose in your office. Yes. Yes. I, I will I will plant my flag in that ground. You can pick your nose. You can pick your friends. <laughs> but you can't pick your nose in your friend's office. Yeah, because that's just rude. <laughs> See, and, and, you know, and the thing is, like, I, I think there's there's some corollary to, like, the, you know, the car, because, like, in the car, you know, you think this is my space, this is my car, you know, sure, people could possibly see me, but I don't I don't care what those people think. Um, that's that's obvious that people are thinking that because of the, the horrible shit that people do when you are in traffic and look over and see somebody, you know, <laughs> two and a half knuckles deep in the <laughs> See, like, Derek, see, I have deep social anxiety. I won't even eat a sandwich in the car for fear that people will look into the car and see a fat man eating a sandwich and go, figures. I'm with you on that. I, I get it. I mean, I'm very careful. Like, you know, that's one of the reasons that like big crowds and stuff don't, uh, don't sit very well with me anymore. Because like, if I go into a room with a hundred people, that's a hundred people I can disappoint. And I have to be on guard the whole time not to disappoint anybody. Um, so even driving home, I am aware of of uh, societal pressures not to do disgusting things, uh, even when you know, I'm minding my own business. So, so yeah, looking over, uh, and you know, I'm not trying to lock eyes with this person because that, yeah, that, that's worse if like you look over and, <laughs> and somebody's doing that and they are like just, just eyeballing you intensely. 
as if they want you to look. They know what then, they're doing. <laughs> so to say, it's a power play. Like, I mean, that, that is a pretty big power play. I don't, I don't think gonna... I have it in me to make that power play. No, and and I mean, it, it's asserting dominance because, like, are are you really gonna like cut that person off now, like? Because they don't give they... a fuck. No, they're capable of anything. <laughs> This person has demonstrated they're a monster. Absolutely. Okay, 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 okay. So I, I think we've discussed in general, in a general sense, like, if you're in a space where where you are sealed in by yourself uh, and nobody can get to you, whatever you do is your, your prerogative. Uh, if you're in a, a space that is not specifically only yours, you have to be conscientious. So how does this person fix this? Like, this can't go on. Like, and, and we resort to saying, quit your job, switch fields, move yeah. countries too often. It's, it's I mean, too easy. I mean, I mean, but the real answer here is to play the Hulk walking away theme while you take your hat <laughs> and your 50s style briefcase and leave the office forever. <laughs> I mean, in, in some respects, you're correct. Like, because... If if you have to be in meetings with this person, like you can't respect them. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I know that's so that's hard. a problem. It's just you, you're looking at them, they're handing things out. You're like, do I take the piece of paper? <laughs> I mean, it's I I don't think it's quite as egregious. Uh, like I don't think the severity is there as somebody like if you find out somebody was a was a toilet criminal that they didn't wash their hands. I think there's malice in in the the toilet criminal part of it. In this, there there's obliviousness, but it's still kind of y- kind of yucky. So it's like, so like dirty boy grade one, dirty boy grade right. two. This is this is dirty boy misdemeanor. Um, it's not good. Like it's still going on your permanent record, but you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be spend time in the slammer for it. Um, so do. Do you pass a note at that point? Because I, I don't like confrontation, Derek. Well, outside of like the professional setting, right? No, I, I'm I'm right there with you because there there are few things that I could describe in or that that seem more uncomfortable to me than than confronting somebody about something that. It is one of two things. Either they don't think what they're doing is a problem, which in and of itself is a problem, um, or they don't think anybody can see them, which is another completely different problem. Like, as a child, we learn about object permanence, (laughs) (laughs) about just because you close your eyes, the things you don't see are still there. I mean, you can definitely rise high in an organization. Without object permanence. In fact, I think it helps in a lot of respects. <laughs> so I think what you do in this particular instance, though, is you leave about, a note. Or, or uh, like, like, yeah, ransom letter or something. Like, I would just, I would leave a polite note made out of letters that I cut out of magazines because I like uh-huh. to be crafty. And right. then sort of paste it onto a piece of paper. And it just would say something like, roses are red, violets are blue, stop picking your nose, we can all see you. 
that's that's not too bad. And then I just <laughs> sign it God and everyone. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I can see that that has a chance of success. And and that's your your least confrontational and and most like kind of, you know, hands-off way to handle this. Um so definitely your best shot. If that doesn't work, if what what if what if they're they're indignant after that? If like <laughs> this somehow makes them more zealous <laughs> about about their mining efforts. Um, uh, I mean, are they looking for Bitcoin at this point? <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody didn't explain to them what mining for Bitcoin actually meant. <laughs> and this is, this is this, their best guess. This is not how you do the blockchain, my man. <laughs> oh God! I mean, if no. they get indignant about leaving a note, I think. I think the only thing you can do then is come to work with approximately 15 to 22 by fours, <laughs> a handful of roofing nails and a hammer. And when they're in their office, picking their nose slowly and purposefully board them up in there. I mean, we we've talked about it before, like, like sometimes, you know, the, the the cask of Amontillado method is is all you can do, and I think we're here. Um, try the note. If the note doesn't work, then go to your local timber supply. And I mean, they could always just stop. If they just stopped, then you uh, could put I mean, the hammer down and stop nailing up boards. Like it's that that's that is true. And, and the thing is, like, if we were normal uh, or if we weren't socially awkward people, I, just like most of the questions that are asked on this podcast, uh, they could all be sorted out by having a human conversation devoid of <laughs> devoid of uh, of ego and of you know bad intentions. Just have a car, have a heart to heart and it could probably be solved. But we're not about that. That's no. not no. Those are not funny answers. Let's not be silly, Derek. Let's not be <laughs> foolish. Let's get to an issue from the internet. Let's do it. All right. This one is a, a little bit a little bit lengthy, but uh I think it's worth it. I'll buckle up. This issue is entitled Employee Wants to Bring in His Dog for a Kids Event by Jill. Just Jill. So Just Chill says, I was surprised that our company didn't do anything for National Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work Day. So I volunteered to organize our very own version of it, just calling it Bring Your Child to Work Day. The executives in the firm thought it was a great idea and gave me the green light. They even authorized a good amount of money for special activities for the children. Yesterday, I sent out the announcement of the event with, with details and was pleasantly surprised by how positive a response I got. Lots of people are signing up, and there appears to be some genuine excitement. The only hiccup in the plan is that somebody has signed up his dog to attend. <laughs> I assumed it was a joke at first, but when I confronted him, he got extremely defensive. He said that his dog was his child, and that I was being discriminatory by trying to exclude him. He accused me of being prejudiced against people with different lifestyles <laughs> who choose not to have children. 
Uh, I tried to explain to him the point of Bring Your Child to Work Day was to expose children to different careers in the workplace to inspire them. He said that since I'm creating my own version of Bring Your Child to Work Day, uh, I can turn it into whatever I want. He basically threatened to report me to the diversity manager of the company. I really hate conflict, and I'm I'm tempted to give in to his demands to avoid having to deal with this, but I find the whole thing quite silly and annoying. I'm just trying to create a fun program for children, but now I fear I'm going to get thrown in the middle of controversy over something stupid. There's nobody I can really escalate this to, because I'm actually the, the one who is in charge. Am I wrong for, th- for thinking that bringing a dog to such an event is silly and unprofessional? What can I do to defuse this conflict? So I've got two reactions. One is uncharitable, and it's this is the most Becky fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> from But from which direction, though? Like, who, uh, bring your being... dog to work. Like, just, you know being this indignant prick about yeah i i'm not going to have children and so i must bring my you know this is what i consider to be my child as my dog i like, agree with that i get people that like their dogs mm-hmm. i like my cats people spend a lot of time and money on their pets uh-huh. at the same time they're not people like that's right. just baseline like i'll get teared up about like a happy dog story on Facebook faster than I will like reading about how your kid got, you know, a 36 on the ACT or whatever. That's just, that's just how, how we're wired, I guess. Like puppies are cute and kids are like, eh, (laughs) but yeah, this is just, this is one, this is asinine Two, Yeah. I can go ahead and solve this one, and it's just one of those things, like, sometimes the the person from HR wells up inside of me <laughs> and bursts okay. forth from my mouth, and I can't help it, and I'm just like, this is a legal lawsuit issue waiting to happen when this Dillweed's dog bites somebody's fucking kid. <laughs> right. Like, we're going to have a bunch of loud, rambunctious kids at the office. Bunch of tail, and, tail pullers. And this dipshit's fucking dog. And that is just a recipe for somebody getting you know, maybe just slightly nipped or maybe, you know, like mauled by a fucking dog. It is a lawsuit waiting to happen. And I would just it's, be like, this honestly, is what we can't do it, because of legal grounds. It's like two storm fronts that are that are threatening to collide. Because you have, you know, the, the parents that are bringing their children and, you know, not, not every parent is like indignant. My, you know, nobody can hurt my child. Like, you know, that, that kind of like lawsuit litigious uh, type of parent, but they, they do exist. And, you know, this person who is very gung ho about equal, equal opportunity rights uh, for, for animals, um, which is, is pushing a little bit far, um, so, so you have like, like, like both sides are just ready to get indignant about something. Uh, and so when that dog, whatever it is, whether it be a Labrador or, you know, a, a, a Dotson or something, it, whenever it gets upset with, you know, 45 little ankle biters trying to pull its tail, uh, it's going to turn on a nip one. And then it's like Russian roulette. Like which one did it nip? Did it nip the one that was like, okay, 
uh, my child shouldn't have been pulling the, the tail of uh, a sentient being, or how dare your dog bite my child? Um, yeah. And so, I mean, what, what's the what's the play here? Like, my, my honest response, as as sad as it is, honestly, if if that person doesn't back down, you kind of have to cancel the whole thing. I think an answer to this is that we say, you know what? You're right. It's fine. But we need to obey the bylaws of the event, and the bylaws of the event are no shirt, no shoes, no (laughs) pants, no service. (laughs) So you have a dress code that every child or other applicable being uh, has to have in order to get in? Yes, everyone has to be wearing like a bottom covering, a top, and some form of footwear. Because here's the thing. Either they're not going to be able to dress their dog in clothes, or they're going to have to dress their dog up like a little person. Right. And that's adorable enough <laughs> that I'm willing to let their bullshit slide. Right. It's that, at that point, it's worth the risk. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've watched a lot of videos on the internet, you know, it it can go one of two ways. Either the dog is going to, uh, or three ways. So the dog is either going to love it and be happy about it. The dog is going to, uh, become just completely comatose and is going to fall over because they don't want to move, uh, while being subjected to this horrible stuff. Um, or the third and possibly worst option, they become a fucking buzzsaw. <laughs> like that is, I I feel like that's more likely, but but I don't want to poo poo on it. I well, I think I, if they think have to got... wear little tiny shoes, Derek, that uh-huh. means even if they're vicious snarling monsters, when they charge at you, they have to do that little <laughs> wide legged really big walk. walk. Leaving you plenty of time to escape. Oh, God. (laughs) I think once again, Frank Eastman, uh, you have, you have solved this one entirely. There, there's, there's no, no way that can go wrong. You either, you either get a perfect event that nobody complains about or a field of ridiculously less dressed little puppies. And then, you know, worst case scenario, you end up with some good YouTube videos that you can monetize. <laughs> and that is the story of how your accounting office became uh, the next BuzzFeed. I mean, it's it's a it's a proud story. And from humble beginnings came this media powerhouse. I mean, I think that's the actual story of BuzzFeed. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wonder when the snack swaps came in. Because <laughs> that, that's all BuzzFeed is anymore. That's fine. I think like, BuzzFeed at this point is mostly like, the only thing I see out of them is food videos. Yeah, they, they are uh, e- either snack swaps or we, we made a high quality version of a shitty thing uh, or like, Watch us do like a fucking mukbang of Trader Joe's shit. 
<laughs> I mean, I just called that Thursday. <laughs> oh, God. All right, you want to punch the clock? Let's do it. All right, before we go, please send us your questions. Uh, we need them very badly. And I don't want to go on a mining reference, you know, just, you know, cause we're, you know, we're, we're mining for that, that treasure that, that you have in your personal stories. Um, you gotta dig deep. You gotta, gotta dig deep. Um, but that's a little gross on this one, so we'll skip it. But, but please, uh, think about any funny work or life stories that you have and send them to us and we'll make funnies of them on the air. Uh, if you want to help support the show, you can go, to, oh, excuse me, uh, you can send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash WLICast and become a patron. Also get some cool swag to show off your WLI pride. Also check out our website at WLICast.com where you'll find links to our social media and our merch store. And there is nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. And that means if you like the show, Share us with people you know and tell them all about us. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Frank, how many Pringles is too many Pringles at once? Like you open up the Pringles and then you eat them. And I don't mean just in one sitting. I mean in literally in one bite. I mean, I, I do think that, that those little, like, single-serving ones, they are, like, they are, like, one bite. That is a challenge. Because <laughs> there's, like, 15 chips in there. I can easily fit 15 chips in my mouth at once. Uh, I mean, you're working on your con bod at that point. <laughs> 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 <laughs>